This podcast is sponsored by TOG24, who've kitted me, Ollie, and the dogs out with all of our walking gear this year. TOG24 is for anyone who likes their walkies, humans and dogs alike. Here's what you need to know. One, their clothes are so cozy that wearing their coats literally feels like walking around in a duvet. Two, they have matching human and dog outfits so you can twin with your dog. In our house, we have matching pink coats. Three, their dog puffers have a reversible metallic lining so you can see them in the dark. It's very handy and cute on nighttime walks. Four, they're a family-run, Yorkshire-based company with an office full of whippets, so you just know they're excellent people. And five, TOG24 currently have their Black November sale on, and it is a big deal. There are Black Friday discounts throughout the month, so check it out. You're going to love it. Hello, and welcome to Brave Little Podcast, the podcast where we talk about those life events and decisions so many of us face that require a healthy dose of courage. I'm your host, Jess. You might know me from social media as Human Jess, and I've learned everything I know about courage from my little dog. She's also called Jess, but more commonly known as the Worried Whippet. I think there are probably few people in this world who don't find themselves thinking, what would this person say? Or what will people think? I definitely do. Sometimes it's real people in my life. I find myself holding back from things I want to do because I know that someone I love or care about won't like it. Worse though, there have been times when I haven't done things for fear that people I don't like, don't care about, or whose opinions I don't look up to will laugh at me or look down on me. Often, it's not even someone else's opinion at all. It's the insecure part of me that pipes up at a vulnerable moment and says you can't possibly do that. The thing is, we can't always control what other people will think of our life choices. There will always be people who disapprove of things that we do. Sometimes it's important to take that into account, but most of the time we need to be able to shed other people's opinions like a skin so that we can do the things we want to do and make ourselves happy and fulfilled. My guest today, Max Siegel, lives life entirely on his own terms, but it's been a long journey to get there. Max came out as trans in 2020 and began sharing his story of gender transition on social media and as a public speaker. Existing as a queer person online is hard and only really possible if you can find a way to shake off other people's opinions. Max is also neurodivergent. I think for lots of us neurodivergent people, we get so used to feeling like we're letting other people down that we start to internalise it and think of ourselves as failures. I wanted to hear from someone confident and successful who I really look up to about how he moves through the world without carrying the weight of other people's thoughts and feelings. We talked about the awkwardness of growing up, the pitfalls of comparing yourself to other people, and the liberation of deciding to live as your true self, whatever form that takes. We also talked about Max's elopement with his wife Laurie Jade, the ultimate manifestation of just doing it for yourself. I like to start these episodes with something brave my Whippet Jess has done recently. This week she's completed a 40 mile walk we did across the month of November to raise money for Pancreatic Cancer UK in memory of my uncle. Jess has actually walked a lot further than 40 miles, but I kept forgetting to press record on Strava before we set off, so we just kept plodding until we hit that target. I'm really proud of the both of us. I also ran 40 miles this month, and I'm so grateful to Jess for helping me lean into exercise and being outdoors when it might have been easier to curl up behind closed doors. Dogs are the best. I'm also super grateful to everyone who sponsored us. It's been a big light at a difficult time. For now, though, I hope you enjoy this episode. I love Max's big, confident energy and will be trying to bring some of that into my own life from now on. How are you doing, Max? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm really excited to be talking to you. This is only the second time that we've spoken, like, face-to-face, obviously. Which is wild. It is wild, because I was just looking back. (laughs) I had to verify this. I had to fact-check it first. (laughs) But do you remember the first conversation we ever had? Was it how much I love Jess? 
by any chance? <laughs> or what? That or ADHD medication? Neither. Oh my god. It was. You tried to forward a story about my dog Jess to your wife Laurie, but you accidentally sent it to me, and it said something like. <laughs> BRB bringing you a granola snack. <laughs> and I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> oh my God, no, I remember that because I was mortified because I was like low-key obsessed with you. <laughs> and I hadn't messaged you because I was like, she's going to be getting so many messages. Like, and I didn't even, I didn't even have a dog at that point. So I was like, this is going to be extra weird. So I was like, oh my God, this is awful. And I didn't realise, so I couldn't delete it. And you were just like, okay. <laughs> like, sure. I was like, hello. Anyway, it really made me laugh. And here we are, I think maybe three years later. That's insane. I know. Um, we're going to have a conversation about uh, letting go of other people's opinions of you, which I'm so excited about because I feel like of everyone, you know a lot about this as somebody who exists very publicly on the internet, as a neurodivergent guy, as a trans guy, like you're going to have a lot to teach me and hell knows I need to learn it because... <laughs> I'm not very good at letting go of other people's opinions of me. We're, this is a holistic experience for both of us. Perfect. We're going to, it's a non-linear, I'm going to use all these words now so people think I'm really clever. <laughs> um, and then it's going to get real messy, but we're just going to see what happens. I like it. Okay, so I'm going to start by asking you about something brave that you've done this week. I am going back to therapy. And I actually mentioned this prior to this call um, because I have therapy later. But this is a big thing for me because I have always had therapy at moments of crisis in my life. So a big breakup, um, coming out as trans to my parents, that was a rough one. Yeah, all of these these really moments of survival. And I'm going back to therapy now because I actually feel like I have a chance to work on the thriving as opposed to the surviving. But the reason why, I mean, I think I think it's fair enough to say that going back to therapy is brave, right? But the reason why I particularly wanted to highlight this is because I really don't want to. <laughs> I am really enjoying just existing in my little bubble of, you know, I know the things I need to work on, but I don't want to work on them yet. And I'm just going to sit in this comfort zone. But a couple of weeks ago, I had one of those weird just before you fall asleep moments where you have like a, a epiphany, is that the right word? And I was watching Beauty and the Beast and I was kind of falling asleep. And then I was like, if I keep doing the same things the same way, nothing is going to change, which I think most people already know, but I've clearly only just come to this conclusion. So I woke up the next morning, emailed a therapist that I'd had in mind for a while, booked in with him. I had my intro session last week and I had my first session with him today. So I'm going to be a whole new man the next time you speak to me. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how it works, but that's my that's my brave thing. That is definitely brave. I feel like, yeah, starting with a new therapist is brave. A new kind of therapy in a new context is brave. It's all good. So tell me, because I can't imagine this, but were you someone who was self-conscious growing up or who worried about what people thought of you? Oh, desperately. Desperately self-conscious. Desperately desperate to fit in, desperate to have friends, desperate to just be normal and invisible and live the life that I thought other people were living. Um, that last statement is a little bit tricky because I think everybody believes 
that the grass is greener. I think everybody thinks, oh, if I could just be like this person, they have no worries, they have no cares, they have all these wonderful things in their life. And particularly with social media, and you'll know this, and I know this from from being a chronically online person and a, a long-term internet user back from the Tumblr days, people have a very specific idea of what your life looks like because Instagram is, is a gallery of your best moments. Um, I think that I very much have always felt like if I could just be like this other person, maybe I would find things as easy as they think, seem to find things. And as an adult, as a, a 31-year-old, um, which is also terrifying, uh, technically only a three-year-old in trans years, though, so I'll stick with that. <laughs> as a 31-year-old, I now know that that is not true. But definitely as a teenager and definitely even as a young adult, I just wanted to fit in. I knew I didn't. I knew that I was, for lack of a better word, weird. Uh, I now know that I'm trans, have ADHD, and I'm probably autistic. So all of those things definitely played into it. But at the time, I just knew I was weird. I knew that I didn't have the same interests as other people. I knew that I didn't find socializing as easy. And I just, I just wanted to fit in. I went to an all-girls grammar school, um, which is incredibly weird for me to say <laughs> now. But it was an all-girls grammar school where... It was very much eat or be eaten. If you didn't fit in, it was a brutal place to be. If you didn't fit into one of those kind of mean girl style cliques, you were on your own. So I would flick from group to group and just change myself to fit in with them. So if it was like the kids that got drunk in the park, I would get drunk in the park. If it was the smokers, I would smoke. If it was the like wannabe scene kids, I would be a wannabe scene kid with my two different colour converse and my studded belt. And I know, I've seen pictures of you, so I know that you've also done this. <laughs> so I'm going to shame you because I think we're almost exactly the same age, which means that we were definitely both like on my space with our like side fringes and our duck pouts at the same time. I feel like you've just looked out of my computer screen and into my soul. <laughs> <laughs> if i'm if i'm gonna bear my bones so are you um but but i look back on that now and all of that was just trying to fit in it was just trying to look like everybody else looked and i still have moments of that that i'm trying to get out of myself you know there's the thing at the moment i'm trying to figure out what my style is and that sounds really sounds really light but it's really about saying okay if you've always dressed for other people if you've always worn clothes that you think fit your personality, your gender, what your friends are wearing, brands that you think will make people respect you, if you just choose whatever the hell you want to wear, what does that look like? I, I don't really know. At the moment, it's chaos. I either go proper, like, preppy Ivy League kind of wannabe, or I go, like, Lucy and Yak, bright-coloured, everything dopamine dressing. There's no in-between. I am still very much figuring out who I am without other people's expectations. And that has been a journey from, I'm going to say my mid twenties, because up until my mid twenties, I had no idea that I was even doing that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, kind of mid twenties onwards and then coming out as trans, you know, I came out as Max when I was 27. That was the beginning of the question. Okay. Who are you without all of these expectations that you're holding yourself to that aren't actually yours? And that is like a huge journey to go on and a massive step to take how did your sort of self-esteem levels track when it came to that experience of coming out and and that massive change it's a really weird 50 50 actually because half of it is brutal half of it is 
you know, you are identifying yourself as one of the most marginalized parts of society, a group that is perpetually under attack from all areas. And you are coming out and saying, I know all of this, and I know that this is going to be a difficult and painful and expensive journey, and yet I'm still going to do it, and this is still right for me. So that obviously takes a hit on your self-esteem, and I definitely found myself hiding away more. Um, I came out in the midst of lockdown, so it was even more isolated than it might have been. But, you know, I was living on my own in central London, I was four or five months on tea. I didn't really like how I looked. I hadn't really um, become the person that you see today yet. So I was, I found it very difficult to move through the world at that point, especially if I, if I was in public and not with, you know, people I perceived to be safe. So like my, my queer friends in London, for example. But on the other hand, there's something so empowering about that step, about that moment particularly as someone who is maybe a little bit older when they came out, which is completely subjective because people, you know, people come out when they're four, they come out when they're 70. I've met everything in between, but you know, a lot of people recognize people coming out as trans in maybe their early twenties or their teens. And I was a, a bit closer to 30. So for me, taking that step of saying, this is who I am and this is who I want to be. This is, this is the ownership that I'm going to take over my life, regardless of what any of you think about it. Because you, you really have to have that. I'm not going to stop doing this for anyone. I'm going to do this for me. That's incredibly empowering, particularly as someone who spent their entire life trying to fit in, has spent their entire life trying to just be whatever anybody else wanted them to be you know, perpetual people pleaser, because I just wanted to have friends, to then choose to be this thing or, or be this person that you already are, but be them openly and be them proudly is incredibly empowering. And then to see that person that you know is in there start to match in the mirror and start to match in pictures. And that was a big one for me. I always used to have photos taken of myself um, for Instagram or, you know, just anyone, just everyone has a camera. And I'd never want to see them because I knew that they wouldn't reflect what I thought I looked like. They wouldn't reflect what I wanted to see because that person wasn't there on the outside. When those two things started coming together and suddenly, you know, I, I'd be like, oh, take a picture of me for Instagram. And then I'd look at them and be like, oh my God, I like all of these. Like the, not having that moment of self-hatred when you see yourself is so powerful. It's so, I've, I've never felt that. I've never felt anything close to that. Just just to to catch yourself in the reflection, to catch yourself in the mirror and be like, yes, that is me. I'm putting myself forward to the world. Like that's, there's, there's no feeling quite like that. It's so, it's so empowering. And it's sometimes when I'm feeling particularly like rough about stuff, I'll just go back and look at like photos that I've posted on Instagram. Cause I'm like, yes, that is me in my best moments. That is this person. That is, that is why we've done this. You look like you're going to cry. <laughs> I might cry. Fair <laughs> warning. I feel like I might cry. Go for it. But I mean, that's an incredible place to get to. And there is no denying that in what you've described, you had to make yourself really vulnerable in order to get there. Mm. And you had to face up to things that you knew were going to be really difficult and sometimes dangerous and scary and all of those things. Where did you find the courage to do that? Like, how did you make that move? It's interesting because I think often when you've had a period of bravery, you don't necessarily think about it in the idea of where did I find the courage? How was I able to do this? You think about it as just something you had to do. You know, I think, I think about that when I think about grief 
and I think about you know, people say, how did you find the strength to get through an experience? Um, you know, recently my dad got really unwell and it was a horrible experience. And I think back on it now and I think I was very brave during that time, but actually at that time I had no choice. I, I just had to survive it. You just had to get through it and you just had to do what you had to do. And I think for me, transition was very similar. It was a, innate feeling of knowing that this was the right thing for me and just doing it, doing it regardless, doing it no matter how painful it was, no matter how many people were difficult, no matter how horrible it was coming out to my parents, the stress, the anxiety, the money, all of it, there wasn't a choice for me. There wasn't a, there wasn't a, I could do this or I could not do this. It was, you need to do this. It was a real moment of trusting your gut. And that's something that I have never really done much in my life. I think particularly as a neurodivergent person, you learn not to trust your gut because people tell you that you're wrong. They tell you that your normal, natural responses to things are wrong. So you learn not to do what feels right. And I'm, I'm just starting to relearn what it feels like to trust your gut. And for me, that was, that was transition. It was just, I knew it was right for me and I knew I had to keep going and there's also a moment where, and you've already mentioned this as, as kind of the theme for, for the podcast, stopping thinking about what other people are thinking of you and doing what is right for you. Because that is, that is really transition is, is taking away all of that noise around it and saying, what is, what is right for me? What's going to make me happy? And there are so many points where you have to make decisions. And some of them are really big things like family members. And some of them are really small things like, uh, a lot of trans people I meet, particularly trans masculine people, will say that they're worried about going on testosterone because they don't want to lose their hair. I completely understand that. Very, very valid thing to worry about, especially if you have you know, male pattern baldness in your family. My view was I would rather be a bald man or perceived as a bald man than a woman with hair. And that was my decision. But in doing that, that's my own that's my own personal choice. You've got to really put it down to these black and white. What is right for me? What is going to feel good? What isn't? But people will often try and impose their opinions on you. And you do have to practice quite a lot of resilience with that. All of that being said, it sounds like I did. It sounds like I did it with a lot of um, intention behind it. I remember quite specifically about six months on tea giving myself the freedom to let a lot of the negativity and a lot of the feedback that I was receiving from people around me just wash over me because I didn't physically have the energy to tackle it anymore. I remember thinking, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna respond when people say things that are really difficult. I'm just gonna shut down the conversation. I'm gonna walk away. I'm gonna cut certain people out of my life. I'm gonna change my relationship with family members. I'm gonna block people on social media who give me, you know, horrible comments and things like that. I'm going to come off TikTok because the messaging was just awful. You know, I made an active decision to conserve my energy and I think that really helped, but it, it also just, it, it didn't feel like a choice at the time. It just, it was something that I knew I had to do. And I think it's, it's just much more internal and powerful. I'm not sure if that makes that much sense, but hopefully this word vomit is coming to something. (laughs) It's making sense to me. So the other thing you did that I guess most people who are transitioning don't do, and I don't actually know how, how how the timelines fit together, but I'm guessing that around the time that you were transitioning is the time that you became more visible online. Kind of. So 
I, I'm very much the internet generation, as are you, you know, uh, Bebo, MySpace, Tumblr was a big Tumblr user, loved a bit of Tumblr. And then kind of moved into Instagram. And so I've always had a bit of a presence online. I've always been very interested in like digital content. It's always been kind of part of my work. So I already had a small internet presence when I started transitioning, maybe like 15k ish. Um, I did a lot of posting around kind of like gender neutral fashion, um, LGBTQ travel. So from traveling, all those kind of things. So I had this fairly small platform, but I made a very deliberate decision at the beginning of transition to post publicly about it. And there was two reasons for that. One was that I was being sponsored by the hormone clinic who were doing my hormones. So I literally had to, which was probably for the best because it, it made me do it. But secondly, because I, I knew how valuable seeing other trans people had been for me to get to where I was. You know, I was, I was the person on Tumblr five, 10 years before I transitioned on some random trans guy's Tumblr. And my girlfriend at the time was like, why are you always on that guy's Tumblr? I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I just find it really interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it, seeing those people and all those people who put other people who put themselves out there. And there are so many other trans content creators who've been around for such a long time. Like people like um, Pink Manta Ray, uh, Skylar Baylor, uh, people like Aiden Dowling, who've literally been around for decades, who have been educating people and they helped me get to where I am. And I wanted to do that, but I wanted to do it in my own way. I wanted to say, look, I'm a bit older. I'm coming to this from a different angle. A lot of people will make a lot of content around kind of like their parents coming out of home and those kind of things. Like I was already living on my own. I was financially independent. So I wanted to make a case study of that journey. And I wanted to just show people what I was doing. And I think it was particularly powerful because I started my transition at arguably the sort of the beginning of this fever pitch of transphobia that's happening in the UK and across the world. It was, it was amping up and it's, it's really hit hard in the last sort of three to five years. And what I wanted to do was just show people that actually it's possible to be trans and happy. It's possible to be trans and really, really boring. My <laughs> life is so boring. All I do is work and take my dog to the beach. I go to bed at like half nine. I don't drink. You know, I love crime documentaries. Like I'm the most boring person. And I want to show people that because the way that we're presented is like we're these horrific, dangerous people who are out there, you know, like stripping in nightclubs or whatever. And I'm like, there are definitely trans people that do that and more power to them. They absolutely should. But there are also just trans people who are just nerds and are just losers and just want to hang out with their wife <laughs> and their dogs. And that's completely fine. I wanted to show people that. So I, I guess I took, I took the platform and I thought, okay, this is my opportunity to do this. This is also an opportunity for me to track my transition because that's you know, always a, a really nice thing to do to look at how far you've come. And I just started posting. And the more I posted, the more vulnerable I was, the better response I got. And that's not necessarily in terms of engagement, but just in terms of people resonating with it. And I know that that's really the story with Worried Whippet and you as well. Like it, it started off as something where you're just like, I'm just gonna put myself out there and I'm gonna use this as kind of a weird format of therapy where I just like talk about what's going on and I write about what's happening and people resonate with it and you end up building this really lovely community of people and and honestly it's been it's been life-saving at points to have that to be able to post and say like oh I'm 
I'm struggling to understand top surgery referrals. Can someone help me? Or, you know, I'm having a really hard day today. Can someone send me trans joy? Like people really show up for you in this community. And, and I'm, I'm so glad I did it and I'm so grateful for it. It's, it's made such a big difference in my life. It's really, really cool. I've loved following you um, and following your transition. And I think um, the posts that you do, you know, that track how far you've come, like you posted one recently about your voice changes on tea and stuff. Mm. Those do really well. And I'm sure thinking about it now, it's the people, it's you on Tumblr all those years ago who's watching that Oh, literally. And, it's yeah. Baby Max being like, I don't know why I'm so interested in this. I just like think it's really cool. Like I'm not <laughs> trans, but like surprise, you are. <laughs> but I'll let you take I'll let you take your time. Work it out on your own time. Hi guys, it's me, Jess, just dropping in to tell you about my book, Worried Whippet, A Book of Bravery. It's a beautiful hardback gift book that inspires you to take a cue from one anxious little dog, muster up your courage, and step out into the world with hope. The drawings are gorgeous and it makes a great gift for adults, children, dog lovers, anyone struggling with anxiety. Plus, it's only $10.99, which is frankly a steal. One lovely person just bought 25 and got all their Christmas gifts done at once. You can get it from Amazon, Waterstones, or my favourite, your local independent bookshop. You're listening to Brave Little Podcast with me, Jess Bolton. Can we talk a bit about weddings? Because you and I both got married this year a few months apart and I think we had opposite end of the spectrum weddings like you couldn't get two we more did. different weddings and I I love we it did. so much so <laughs> for people who didn't see this I had a very traditional wedding I wore a big white dress all of my family and friends were there it was gorgeous you and Laurie Jade got married just the two of you as on your own yes. as it's possible to do and I wanted to talk to you about on an island on an island about what went into that decision and and how it was so Laurie and I got engaged um August 2022 uh it was our one year anniversary because clearly you can pump me through of testosterone but you can't take the lesbian urge to merge out of me <laughs> I was straight in there like I was like I've got to marry this woman so we got engaged and it was a um surprise it was a photo shoot surprise proposal um the video is on my Instagram going absolutely wild if you want to see it at the moment. So she told me to fuck off when I proposed because she was so surprised. Um, and the clip is just brilliant because she just goes, fuck off. And I start absolutely pissing myself laughing because I was so surprised. Anyway, a couple of days after we got engaged, she said to me, you know, what, what, firstly, do you want to be involved in this? That was her first question. And I should clarify that Laurie's been married before and that was to a cis man. So she, she didn't really expect me to have that much interest in it. I was like, yeah, I absolutely want to be involved in this. Like, this is this is my jam. This being the wedding and planning. This being the wedding planning, yes, should have clarified that. And the second question she said was like, okay, picture your dream wedding. What does it look like? And And that was quite difficult for me because I never wanted to get married. Never thought I would. It was not anything I ever had any interest in. Um, so I thought for a bit and I said, me, you and the dog. The dog being Twiglet, my whippet. And she said, I'm down with that. So we started looking at eloping. And I wasn't entirely sure if we'd get away with it in terms of our families. I didn't want to upset anyone. But I also knew that I just wanted to be able to focus on Laurie. And you know, I have ADHD. I find big groups of people, loud noises, events really stressful I find it 
really overwhelming. I get really burnt out. I find it really hard to focus. Um, it just, it just wasn't something that I, that I wanted to do. The idea, you know, I'd, I'd love to have all my friends come together, but I would find it really, really stressful and I wouldn't be able to focus on that moment being us. So that was my main reason for wanting to do it. Laurie was really happy to do it. Her parents were happy for her to do it. Uh, my parents kind of went along with it. Um, I think they know better than to try and argue with me, especially because I literally came out to them as trans two years ago. So they were just like, you know what? Sure. Do whatever you want. Did you feel any pressure to do it differently? To do it more traditionally? Yes and no. I think it was another practice in do whatever you want. There are no rules. This is for you. You're paying for it. It's your day. It's your wedding day. How many people do you meet who say, oh, well, I did that because my parents wanted it. Or my gran would have expected it. And I'm like, fuck that. This is your day. Especially because also, like, I was paying for this. Like, I know sometimes people's parents are paying for their wedding and they're like, okay, fair enough. Like, I've got to, like, invite, like, my third cousin's wife or something. I was paying for this. It was my day. It was everything that I wanted to do. And I was like, I am going to be selfish. And I'm fine with that. I am going to make this about me because it is my day and it's me and my wife and my family and this is what I want to do. So we looked at Gretna Green, because classic, obviously. Um, and then on a complete spare of the moment thing, we reached out to a hotel in Devon called Bear Island, which is a really beautiful Art Deco hotel. And my wife is literally dresses in 1920s clothing. So it's a spiritual home. We'd discussed Bear Island on one of our first ever dates because I grew up quite near there. She'd been there for a couple of weddings. But the problem is you have to rent the whole thing for a wedding and it's like insanely expensive. I was like, I love you. I don't love you that much. And if you're marrying me for that money, it doesn't exist. So we emailed them and said, hey, is there any way we can just like rent a room and get married? And they said, yeah, we do micro weddings all the time. Like feel free. So we rented a suite for two days and we got married on the cliff top next to the mermaid pool at golden hour with just a registrar and our photographer and videographer who are our friends who witnessed for us and it was perfect there was nothing i would change about that moment but it was absolutely an exercise in putting yourself first and i you know i i told, <laughs> I told somebody at a party a couple of weeks before we did it I said, like, oh, no, we're eloping, you know, no one's coming. And she said, if my sons did that, if they got married without me, I'd murder them. And I was like, oh, well, good for you. Um, my mum doesn't seem to mind. But if she does, she's keeping it to herself. People are really surprised. But then on the other end of it, I've had lots of people who have had big weddings have said, oh, I wish we did that. And it's, it's really funny because you think that there's, there's so much pressure to do this specific thing. And I know you did the traditional thing, but that was what was right for you. That was what you wanted. You know, a couple of my, my best friends got married literally like four weeks after us. And they had this like big, bougie, beautiful Cheshire wedding, like big white dress, candles, big reception. It was incredible. I loved it, but that wasn't what we wanted. And we did exactly what we wanted, but it, it is really an exercise in just saying, like, fuck this, I'm going to do what I want. See, you said I can swear now, and now I can't stop. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, mum. Your wedding looked amazing. It looked really amazing. And your relationship looks amazing. I'm someone who, I mostly keep my relationship offline because Ollie's a very private person, but you two are both content creators who got mm. together. And so I think you know, you share quite a lot of your relationship online and it just looks so lovely. It looks 
uplifting and respectful and joyful and I love watching it we just have so much fun like she's literally my best friend we have so much fun she's ridiculous and Laurie has taught me so much about she's gonna kill me for this making an idiot of yourself (laughs) I've never met anyone who is less self-conscious and you know this this whole theme really resonates with her because she's also someone who's who's got over a lot of self-consciousness and anxiety and you know both of us are sober from drugs and alcohol because we both use substances as a way to manage those issues and now both of us but particularly her she just doesn't care she just lives her life out loud she doesn't care if people are looking at her she is she is the human definition of dance like nobody's watching and it's taught me so much because that freedom is so infectious and that joy is so infectious but we just have so much fun and and you know everything I post on on Instagram has her consent but there are just moments where she'll be doing something or we'll be like playing with Twiglet or yeah I'll just start filming her when we're when we're out doing something I do our like what are we doing today Laurie Jade videos and they just I don't know what happens but they're just so stupid <laughs> and they just like she just comes out with stuff and it just cracks me up and I love it and I think people really need to see that I mean for me it's an extension of of the content I want to create of saying like you, you can be tra- trans and my company is called trans and because you can be trans and in a healthy happy joyful relationship you know, you see stuff for people like, oh, she's, you only feel sorry for you because you're trans. It's like, no, she really doesn't. <laughs> like, she's totally fine with it. I, I love being able to share that. And, you know, she's also a TV producer. So her ability to help me with content, her ability to make really fun content is, is really, really good. So yeah, we're kind of, depending on your view of content creators, we're either great together or we're a nightmare because everything is just on film. But, I'll let I'll let you go and have a look and make up your own minds at their career. <laughs> Definitely do. Um, also, for people, you know, you just said that Laurie doesn't care that people are looking at her and people must be looking at her because if you haven't seen Laurie's account, then you must. Is it Greyhound Vintage, her handle? At Greyhound Vintage, yeah. Yeah, and she dresses almost exclusively in 1920s vintage outfits and she looks incredible she does but i would be looking she's kind of moved from that place of being like i don't want people to look at me to if you're going to look at me i'm going to look incredible to look at me i look incredible <laughs> and i don't think she even notices you know we, we we kind of walk through through the world and people will be like oh my god look at that woman she's great and she's just she's just vibing she's just living her life and i kind of love it because the rest of the world admires my wife as much as i do which is lovely. You know, people literally come up to her. We were at a wedding on Friday and someone we didn't know came up and was like, this is so weird, but I follow you on Instagram. I just love everything you do. And and kind of looked at me and I was like, I agree. I also <laughs> love everything she does. Like, I'm literally her number one fan. I'm like, yes, baby, get it. <laughs> we are incredibly gross, but very sweet. I think. <laughs> Again, depending on your view. Oh, I'm totally team sweet. But like, what an incredible person to have by your side while you do difficult things. Everybody needs a Laurie Jade. So there'll be lots of people listening to this because I think like everyone has this experience and I certainly do, who um, do worry every day about what other people think of them when they step out of the house or when they're with family or friends or I don't know. I've got somebody who I haven't seen for a decade is the voice inside my head who when I'm about to do something scary, the voice goes like, everyone's gonna laugh at you and no one's gonna like you 
Like we've all got those things, haven't we? And I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing that you do too. What is the advice that you would give to people as somebody who carries themselves so confidently? What advice would you give to people like me who might be a little bit behind you on this journey? I think it's the question of who are you living your life for? Because if you're listening to those voices, whoever they are, whether it's a family member or just a nasty voice inside your head, I think my nasty voice is literally me. It's another version of me. <laughs> like the, may, maybe the she, her version. Like she's in the back of my head, like being a little bitch. You are li- like, you live your life for you. And that sounds very cheesy, but we actually, we talked about this in our prep call. Um, and I'm going to say, even though it's kind of morbid, a big thing for me with transition was my family people around me, I thought they're never going to accept me. I remember saying, God, five years before I came out as trans, that I I would use they them pronouns if I thought that my parents would respect it. And that tells you everything that you need to know about the attitude that I had. And I realized at a certain point in my life, all these people that I am worrying about are going to be dead. And I'm just going to be here. And I'm going to be alive. And I'm going to be, who am I going to be at that point? Am I going to be Max? Am I going to be the person I want to be? Or am I going to be a version of myself that I thought was more acceptable to other people? Because that's the very extreme level of it. And it it comes back to the same thing with those voices. Is this you? Who are you living your life for? Are you going to do this? Or are you just going to keep listening to that voice? Because to me, I'm wasting my life if I live my life for other people. I have this real something I'm working through in therapy, actually, have this real sense of urgency at the moment, this real feeling that I'm running out of time because I feel like I've only just started my life in the last couple of years. And I think that 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 resonates with trans people, but also just so many people who've struggled with mental health issues, who've, you know, addiction, eating disorders, you name it. It it really comes through for so many people. And I have this real feeling that I I just want to make the most of my life. And I come back to that whenever I feel myself resisting something, whenever I feel myself saying, oh, I couldn't possibly, I couldn't do that. That's too scary. I can't, can't put myself out there like that. That's too scary. You know, I'll be like invited to speak somewhere and I'm like, oh my God, no, I can't do that. Like, that's really, I can't do it. Oh God, no. And then I'm like, like, who are you, li- who are you living your life for? You're going to, you're going to say no because you're scared. That's ridiculous. Like, You've got to give yourself that moment of being like, come on, like you can do this. And every time you do those small things, remember them. You know, when I get scared before a speaking session, so let's say I used to get nervous before every speaking session. Now I only get nervous before some because every time I do one that tops the previous one, I try and remember it. So it's like, okay, well, if I can speak in front of 300 people in person, then I can do 500 people in person. And if I can do 500, then I can do a thousand in America in front of loads of people, like, yeah, keep, keep pushing it, keep going, keep doing small steps. There are so many, particularly, I think this is a big, like, influencer thing, is people pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. Like, I know when you published your book, it's not something you would ever think that you would have done, but you did it, and you did a book launch, and you've done readings, and you've done press, and you've done all of these amazing things, and now the next time you get to that moment where you think you can't do something, it's like, um, I published a book, I went freelance, by making my dog famous on the internet. Like, that person can do whatever the fuck she wants. <laughs> and the same with everyone else. Just this saying. is such a good pep talk. We all, the, <laughs> the thing we all need is actually just a little Max in our pocket that we can get out and be like... <laughs> a little Max and Laurie. <laughs> I, can't I have this yes. real, um, 
I have a real parent friend override, which I think most people have, which is giving myself this pep talk is really difficult, but giving it to my friends, like I, if I'm friends with you, I am your number one fan. I will support you in everything. I will literally be like, you can do this. I believe in you. I'm really proud of you. This is going to happen. And I really, I really feel it because I'm like, yes, we all need to support each other. And I, I'm trying, I'm working on giving myself that energy, but if my friends need it or really if anyone needs it, I'm like, it's like, if you need a dad, I will be your dad. I will be your trans dad. I will support you. I will drive you. I will fix your car. Probably not. I'm terrible at that, but like (laughs) other stuff, I will do dad stuff if you need it. Cause we all need that, particularly in like, like the neurodivergent queer, like the weirdos community, you know, we're all the ones that didn't have a lot of friends when we were little and we kind of got a job and then didn't really like it and now we're all freelance because we can't possibly work for anyone else it's like we need we need cheerleaders we need people in the background being like i believe in you you can do this you're a badass because there's so many incredible people doing incredible things and yeah we need to support each other yes um i feel so amped up by this conversation i'm gonna like step out into the world with real confidence (laughs) this afternoon um (laughs) yes yeah and actually (laughs) so much of what you've said has really resonated with me um and the part about like you're being driven by this need to grab life because you feel like in some Mm. ways it started really recently for you and I went through a lot of mental health struggles as a teenager and and in my early 20s and I had a big turning point in my mid-20s where I was really lucky to have access to some really good therapy and since then I'm a different person living a different life and things are possible for me that weren't possible for me before things feel Um, yeah, I feel like I'm able to do things that I wouldn't have been before. And that is actually, I'd never thought about it in these terms, but that is a big motivator for me. I feel like I'm grabbing things that that are available now. Um, You can take the opportunities that come to you. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's quite a powerful thing. Um, But it does take a lot of courage to just reach out and grab something, even when it's right next to you, doesn't it? Sometimes. The, it's so cheesy but you know the biggest thing standing in your way is yourself and obviously you know capitalism and and all the awful stuff happening in the world aside there is a big you have to believe that you can do you have to take yourself seriously it was the biggest learning curve for me when i when i started working for myself like two two and a half years ago was no one is going to take you seriously until you do until you put yourself forward as a business person who can do X, Y, Z, who, you know, until you pitch yourself as that person and say, I can do this for you, then nobody's going to believe you. So you, you really do have to believe in yourself first as cheesy and live, love, love as that sounds. You, you do, because otherwise you're not going to get anywhere. And if you don't ask me and I will believe in you for you. And then you can just like, absorb it from me this This is great ask max he'll do it for you (laughs) he'll do your (laughs) self-esteem for you Um, i literally will number one cheerleader (laughs) max this has been such a great conversation just to wrap up like what's the one thing that you're leaving with the person who's got somebody else's voice in their head today telling them that they can't do it tell them to fuck off (laughs) but i can do this leave me alone this is my life and I'm going to do it and I'm going to prove you wrong. A little bit of anger gets you, gets you somewhere sometimes, particularly because I think those voices, like you said, like those voices are often people that actually maybe we don't talk to anymore or they're like, they're like from way back and they're like sort of trigger these like horrible trauma moments. And it's like, no, like stand up to them. They're a bully. Get rid of them. You can do it. Feel the fear. Do it anyway. 
love it. Max, thank you so much for chatting to me today. Thank you. This was so much fun. Kind of a therapy session. I'm here for it. Kind of a therapy session. I am too. You can find Max on Instagram. His handle is at theirqueer and on LinkedIn is Max Siegel. If you're intrigued by his wife, Laurie Jade, she's on Instagram too at Greyhound Vintage. I beg you to go and check her page out. She's another great example of being yourself, whatever that looks like. I find a lot of joy in her content. As always, thank you for listening and for leaving a rating or review. It's a little gift that you can give Jess and I as we carve out a path for ourselves in this funny online world we work in. I'll be back next week with another episode of Brave Little Podcast. Mm-hmm.